1: the Holy Spirit of God. He says, you are bad, you are sinful. There's the answer. It's Jesus. Coming up today, Pastor Greg Laurie
0: explains how the Holy Spirit shows sinners where they can find forgiveness.
1: Go to Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Go to Jesus and that righteousness will be placed in your account. Go to Jesus and your questions will be answered. He shows you the sin that He brings you to the Saviour. That's it. The work of the Holy Spirit. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Can you hear
0: all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins In our natural bodies, there are many things inside that keep us alive, although we've never seen them antibodies, clotting agents, red and white blood cells. Now, spiritually speaking, there are invisible forces at work that want to help us and save us, and also other forces that aren't quite as kind. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out the work of God's Spirit acquaints us with our sin and points us to our Saviour. It's important we know how to respond.
1: You know, when I turn on the television these days, man, there's just so much bad stuff, isn't there? Just tragedy, layered on tragedy. I, I see so much sin on display. You see selfishness. You see violence. You see murder. You, you hear of all these horrible things happening, and I'm just talking about the cartoons on Saturday morning. <laughs> no, seriously, though. It, it's just, it's sort of like sin is on display every day, every night for us all to see. So what is the worst sin a person could possibly commit? Is it stealing? Is it murder? Is it adultery? Those are bad sins for sure. But let me re-ask the question, what sin offends God more than any other? I think you might be surprised by my answer. Here in John chapter 16, we're looking together at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the non-believer. In our last message, we focused primarily on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. Now we're looking at the work that he wants to do in the life of the person who is not yet a Christian. We're We're in John 16, starting in verse seven. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, It is to your advantage I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. We'll stop there. The Holy Spirit of God, clearly the most misunderstood and misrepresented member of the Trinity. It seems whenever there is something weird going on, it always gets blamed on the Holy Spirit, right? You flip the channels, you come to some Christian TV station, uh, I might put that in quotes in some cases, And you see people coming under the power of the Spirit. They're falling on the floor. They're shrieking. They're laughing uncontrollably. They're barking like dogs. And the preacher says, this is the Holy Spirit. And they even make it sound more holy. So when you hear Holy Spirit, you're like, "Eh, I don't know if I want that, you know. I want to just tell you all that crazy stuff. That is not the Holy Spirit. That's just crazy stuff. Because the Bible tells us what the work of the Holy Spirit is. And Jesus makes an amazing statement to begin with here in John 16. He says, it's to your advantage I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I'll send him to you. Remember in our last message on the Holy Spirit, we talked about the word that the word helper comes from. It's parakletos in Greek. One who is called alongside to help is the definition of it. It speaks of an advocate in a court of law, among other things. So Jesus is actually saying, it's better for you that I go away. It's to your benefit or to your advantage that I go away. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit would not come to you in this way. Now that that amazes me because it seems to me, oh no, the best thing would be to have Jesus with us physically. I mean, how amazing would that be? Imagine if Jesus was sitting in church with you, just next to you, Isn't Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't stop looking at him, He's, he is God. What's, what's God doing now? And you would find yourself just staring at him, wanting to hear whatever he had to say, anything he would do. But Jesus is saying it's actually better for you that I go away, because then the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, the helper, the advocate, the counselor, Will come to you. Notice he says in verse 8, when he has come. Remember, we pointed out that the Holy Spirit is a, not a force, he's a personality. Because sometimes we will think he, he's just some power out there, like something out of Star Wars or something. No, the Holy Spirit has a distinct personality, though he is likened in scripture to. Uh, fire and a dove and, and other things. In reality, he is always referred to as a he, and that is a capital he, because he's part of the Trinity. So here's a quick review of what we already saw. The Holy Spirit has come to convict us of our sin. You could also just interchange the word convince with convict. He's come to convince us of our sin. Verse eight, John 16, when he has come, He will convict or convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You see, one's ignorance of sin, righteousness, and judgment can bring their destruction. So God has sent His Holy Spirit to make the non-believer aware of this. Before we can appreciate the solution, we have to see the real problem, so we need to be convicted by the Spirit. Because there's no conversion without conviction. Okay, so I raised the question earlier. What is the worst sin? So what is it? Is it adultery? Is it stealing? Is it taking the Lord's name in vain? Well, a recent survey was done among British Christians, and they were asked to identify the most and least important of the Ten Commandments. I mean, right away, that's just a bad premise. Where I'm gonna rate the Ten Commandments. Houston, we have a problem. Or should I say instead, London, we have a problem, right? Okay, so back to the Brits. 93% of them still felt thou shall not commit murder was valid, good to know. So my next trip to England, I guess I won't get killed, hopefully, Uh, 93% still felt thou shall not steal was a valid commandment, and then it starts to drop after that, 87% thought thou shall not bear false witness was still good, but only 23% felt thou shall not take the name of the Lord in vain was still valid today. 68% of British Christians, and I I failed to point that out. Did I say that earlier? These are Christians, in quote. They think it's okay to take the Lord's name in vain. 68%, uh, no. And then, this one's the most amazing of all, only 20% thought having other gods before him was wrong. In fact, 68% thought it was just fine to have other gods before the Lord. Really, how interesting. God doesn't see it that way. Because when he gives the Ten Commandments, he doesn't start with, thou shall not murder. He doesn't start with, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. He starts by saying, I am the Lord, your God. Have no other gods before me. It's a big deal to God, you see. And then a second commandment, you shall have no graven images, which is really... an extension of what the first commandment says, you know, where you're gonna now worship something in the place of God. Because it comes down to this. If I have another God before him, it's all downhill from there. And then those other commandments will be broken as well. Let me turn it around. If I put him first in my life, the other commandments will fall into place. Jesus summed it up this way. He says, if you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, you'll fulfill the commandments. How's that work? Well, if I love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, I'm not going to have another God before him. I'm not going to worship a graven image. I'm not going to take his name in vain. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to kill him, because that's not very neighborly, is it? I'm not going to steal from him. I'm not going to lie to her. I'm not gonna covet what belongs to them. You see, so these crazy so-called Christians uh, can't just go to the commandments and decide what's valid and what isn't valid. God's word does not change according to the mores or culture of our times. The reality is we should be conforming culture to God rather than expecting God to conform to our culture. It's great to
0: have you with us here on a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg is continuing his study on the Holy Spirit with his message called The Holy Spirit and You. Let's continue.
1: Okay, so what is the worst sin that we can commit against the Lord? I'm going to answer that next week. No, I'll answer it now. You probably already know the answer. Here it is. You're taking notes. The worst sin. And then one of the most far-reaching consequences that you can commit is not believing in Jesus Christ. Say, no, Greg, you're wrong. Murder is worse. Well, no, actually, those are outgrowths of the sin inside of the person who does not know God. But saying no to Christ is a complete rejection of the work of the Holy Spirit, the root of all of our problems. The worst sin you can commit is not believing and you will be judged for that. So the Holy Spirit, number two now, has come to bring us to Jesus. He says in verse nine, I've come to convince them of sin because they do not believe in me. You know, it's interesting, sin, not sins. Sometimes we... I think in the church, major on minors. And by that I mean, we sort of get the cart before the horse. We'll kind of focus on lifestyle choices that are sinful and we'll harp on those things. Here's my objective. I want to establish a dialogue with a person regardless of what sinful choice they've made. So if they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend out of wedlock, or if they're gay, or if they're a liar, or a thief, or all the above, you know, hey. I want to first talk to them about their need for Jesus, because this is the way I see it. If they'll come to Jesus, everything else will get sorted out. But if I focus on those things and never get around to telling them about Jesus, I can in effect drive them away. And I think a lot of times people think of the church as being against everything. And we're going to speak out on what the Bible says and say what it says on whatever topic it is we're addressing. But our message is the gospel and we want people to believe and then their lives will change as a result. So the Holy Spirit has come to show us that, to bring us to Jesus. Verse 13, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak in his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he'll tell you what is to come. He'll bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. See, if you refuse to believe in Jesus, you're effectively calling the Holy Spirit a liar. Because First John 5.10 says, he that believes in the name of the Son of God has this witness in himself. He that does not believe has made him a liar because he has not believed the record that God has given of his son. That's called insulting the spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes and shows you you're a sinner and you need Jesus and you say, I do not. I'm a good person, I don't need Jesus. Oh, so you're calling him a liar? No, you're putting words in my mouth then. Actually, I'm not. Because if you're rejecting the work that the Holy Spirit has come to do to show you you're not righteous enough to get to heaven and show you that Jesus is the answer, you're effectively saying he's a liar. Number three, the Holy Spirit has come to show us our need for righteousness. Look at verse 10, he says, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Now, here's the funny thing. Most people believe in heaven today, 72%. But as I said earlier, they think living a good life will get them there. But yet the Bible says All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says there is not good, no, not one. And the Bible also says in James 2.10, if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. Now the Bible is not saying that there are not good people. There are good people. Let me take it a step further. I've met people who are not Christians that are good people and in some cases better people than some Christians I know. Does that make sense? When I say good, I mean they're friendly, they're trustworthy, they're uh, considerate, so they're good people in that regard. This is not about if you're a good guy or a good girl. This is about if you're good enough to get to heaven and no one's that good. You say, well, I'm pretty good, actually. I, you're not as good as you think you are and you're much worse than you think you are. That's the truth because One sin is enough to keep you out of heaven. And trust me, you've committed a lot more than one sin. And so have I. So the Holy Spirit has come to show me this about myself. Listen to this. Even on my best day, my righteousness, my goodness, the benevolent, kind, considerate things that I do are pretty much throwaway, Because Isaiah 64, 6 says, My righteousness is as filthy rags. But then what about the bad days? And those are bad. (laughs) So think about all of that. Even on your best day, you don't even get close. And on your bad days, you're so, so far away. So the Holy Spirit comes to show me that I need Jesus. He shows me I'm not righteous enough. I'm not good enough. Not so I will be driven away in despair, but so I will run to the cross. See, that's what he does. He says, you are bad, you are sinful. There's the answer. And he lights the way. It's Jesus. Go to Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Go to Jesus and that righteousness will be placed in your account. Go to Jesus and your questions will be answered. That's a very important distinction. He shows you the sin, then he brings you to the Savior. That's it, the work of the Holy Spirit.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with great insight on how the Spirit points to sin and then points to the Saviour. Such an important role, a life-saving role in the lives of believers. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg comes back with more insight on the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives, convicting us of our sin and pointing us to our Saviour.